Abandon hope, <laughs> all ye who enter here. <laughs> I don't suppose those are the words you would want to see over any door that you might walk through. But in Dante's Inferno, which is where they come from, they can have a particular effect of sending chills up and down your spine. For in that epic poem, those are the words written over the gates leading into hell. And they capture for us, I think, a sense of the real importance of hope in human life. And they do that by helping us to feel at least a little bit what our existence would be like if we were completely without hope. Uh, There is a heaviness and a deadness and a darkness to such thoughts. In fact, hope uh, seems to be vital for people to flourish. Psychologists uh, say that it, along with uh, things like compassion and courage, are essential Uh, for whole and healthy living. And research shows that if you have hope, uh, you wake up in the morning in a good disposition and you're ready to face your day. It boosts your immune system. It improves your general health. It reduces stress and even joint pain. And it reduces anxiety and improves relationships. (laughs) And I think intuitively we, we agree with that research. We understand how that could be so. And I would also guess that most of us here have been in some dark place in our life where our feelings weighing heavily upon us so that we begin thinking things like, well, what's the use, or, or nothing can change how bad it is, only to have hope show up and it turns us and our thinking around. Sometimes all the bad things that we were thinking happened anyway, but somehow because hope is there, we were able to endure them all. And sometimes uh, when hope shows up, it simply reveals to our hearts uh, the true situation, and we realize that there was nothing of substance to all our despairing thoughts. I mean, hope's a good thing, and I I think we can agree on that, but defining hope is another story. Just what does it mean? Uh, You can feel the difference in meaning in the way we might uh, use the word. For an example... An Eagles fan who says, I hope my team wins the Super Bowl this year, sounds a whole lot different than a Browns fan who might say the same thing. The Browns didn't win a single game last year. (laughs) They mean different things too, don't they? I mean, the Eagles fan has some expectation that it will happen, while the Browns fan, he's just daydreaming, blowing smoke or whistling in the dark. Sometimes... People use that word hope to mean they wish this thing or that thing would come true. It it indicates desire only, but at other times, it's an expression of real expectation. In in this life, uh, our expectations don't always work out the way we thought or wanted, of course. Uh, That may be because our hope was ill-founded, or or maybe some injustice in our fallen world has caused that problem. I mean, an innocent person who who has tried for a crime that they didn't commit expects a not guilty verdict. That's their hope, and it's real, but some twist in the legal proceedings produces an unjust verdict. I mean, it happens, and yet, almost certainly, that innocent person will continue to hope for vindication. 
See, that second way of using that word more closely reflects what real hope is. Hope is more, it's much more than just wishful thinking. And for the Christian, hope has a particular significance. And that's why we're going to talk about it today. Hope, along with faith and love, is a family trait. Hope imprints the character of the Christian. It's a necessary and identifiable mark of every believer. I mean, we may go through hard times. We may border on despair. We may think all things are lost. But hope is built into who we are. And in our conversations since the beginning of this year, we've been talking about the church, this amazing living entity unlike anything else in all of creation, being built by Jesus Christ himself, which storms the gates of hell now and which will last into all eternity. Believers, together with God, make up the church. And and in our time together, we've talked about a lot of things. And we've talked about, for instance, the giftedness of the believer that God has given each one of us, everyone who has been born again, at least one spiritual gift, which they use for the good of the church and to advance the kingdom. And at some point in the near future, I want to take a little time and I want to talk about some of the things that we as Christians do and which we're expected to do. But today, the next two times that we're together, I want to talk about our character, our family traits of faith, hope, and love. And we're beginning with hope today. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that our our giftedness, all of our giftedness, whatever our spiritual gifts are, one day will disappear, presumably because we'll no longer need them. But the things of our character, faith, hope, and love will always remain. One of Paul's prayers for the Ephesians was for their heart to be enlightened in order that they would know the hope to which God called them. And, and it was a good thing for them to know it, and it's a good thing for us too. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask a series of questions about hope and see how the Bible answers them and, and what those answers mean to us. And in doing that, we'll have defined hope in the only real and meaningful way that we should as an outgrowth of our relationship with God. So what's the first question we're going to ask? We're going to ask, what is our hope in, or where does our hope reside? (laughs) Uh, Is our hope in what we can do, or is it in something else? A lot of people, it's all about what they can do. And the object of our hope, like the object of our faith, makes all the difference in the world. So for the Christian, our hope isn't in us. It's not in what we can do. It's in God. It's in Jesus Christ himself. And and you can easily find half a dozen or more verses in the New Testament alone that tell us that, and more in the Old Testament. And I just want to mention two here. Uh, Paul writes uh, to Timothy, and he's writing about his calling and his apostleship using these words. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. Our hope is not in ourselves, it's in Jesus Christ. And and Peter says the same kind of thing when he writes, Through him 
You believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. See, the object of our hope matters. What we place our hope in matters, doesn't it? I mean, we could list the, the hopes of many people in our world, the things that they put their hope in. There's the hope, so kind of hopes, the, the wishful thinking things. Like, I, I, I hope that red light camera couldn't read my license plate. Yeah, get out your checkbook, right? Or I hope my cell phone is still on the counter of that fast food joint. Now go ahead, stop at a pay phone and cancel your service, right? Oh, well, maybe, maybe you ought to wait and see. Maybe the camera misfunctioned. Maybe somebody turned your phone in. I mean, it could happen, but you, you don't have any confidence that it will. So you keep wishing as you rush back to that burger place, and every day you dread going to the mailbox to get your mail. Hope so hope. Wishful thinking doesn't give you any peace at all. But then there are those who, who base their hopes on something more substantial, right? I mean, some people believe that science will solve all of our problems, and medicine in particular will cure all our ills, and they think, oh, surely, they hope the advances will come in their time so they won't die ever. Others put their hope in government, which somehow, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary, they think government will solve all the ills of our society. Now, society, I mean, science does bring about some real advances in government, sometimes do real good in our world, but isn't their record um, kind of rather spotty? I mean, isn't it kind of hit or miss in a way? I mean, isn't it often true that along with all the advances come problems and dangers? And with the good, well, unintentional consequences which bring real harm. And that's when people in government are trying to do their best to do the right thing. And, and because those things are more substantial, they set one up for a greater fall when they fail us. So in that hope-so kind of thinking, you're never surprised. You're never surprised when the ticket arrives or you have to buy a new cell phone. But people who base their lives, and sometimes their children's lives, on their hopes for science or government, well, the failure there is devastating. Some, some people put their hope in other people, which is, uh, to me, really crazy. <laughs> uh, many people thought our previous president would solve all the ills of the world, and others think our present president will. And whatever history ends up saying about either one of them, it will fall far short of that kind of hope. There are a lot of people in this world, I, I can tell you, that I admire and I respect and I trust, people that I, I have a great deal of confidence in and whom I have a real hope, uh, a belief that they're going to do the right thing. But I know, I know they can fail. I know they're merely human. But I also know this. Jesus Christ never fails us. God never lets us down. Joshua 
was an old man. He led Israel for so many years. And he knew it was time to depart. This world was not far off, so he, he gathered the nation together and he said to them, You know with all your heart and soul that not one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. And he, is, he emphasized it when he added that every promise has been fulfilled not one has failed. And Paul affirms that when he writes in 2 Corinthians, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. See, God never fails, and if our hope is in him, we will never be disappointed. You know, even that person wrongfully convicted of a crime, if their hope is in Christ, they may live out their whole life in prison. They, they may die there, but they will be vindicated and rewarded, and they will understand why they had to go through all they went through. See, imprinted on the heart of every believer is hope. Everybody needs hope. It's imprinted on us. It's a family trait. It's part of our character. Real hope, Christian hope, is in God. Not in ourselves or in our abilities. It's, uh, it's not in our achievements. Our, our hope is real, and it never disappoints. Though we may at times be dismayed, another day is coming. And, and well, we'll see that, won't we? Because our hope never fails us. And so what is our hope in? Our hope is in God and in his son, Jesus Christ. And we can also ask, where does our help come from? I mean, we put our hope in Jesus, but where does it originate? Well, the Bible tells us that our hope is, uh, the source of our hope is not from us. It's from God. It's not something we generate. It's from God to us. And so Peter puts it this way, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When we first put our trust in Christ, we enter into a living hope. That's not of our own making. Hope is our birthright. It belongs to us as children of God, and in truth, it cannot be taken away. It's ours, though far too often we don't understand this. And yet the truth is even more amazing than that. It's really much better than that, because not only is hope given to us then at the new birth, but when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God continues to be the source of all of our hope. Paul says as much in Romans. May the God of hope, there it is, hope is from God. He's the source, God is the God of hope. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you get some idea of what Paul's talking about here. If you imagine a child's uh, bucket taken from his beach toys and, and then it's held underneath one of those ocean waves as it breaks. I mean, that bucket's filled and then some. It, it overflows. And God gives us hope. He, he willingly gives us hope. And he's not in the least bit stingy with it. Hope comes from God. It's our birthright. 
And God gives it to us in an unending supply. Now, now if that's true, and, and, and it is, but if that's true and you find yourself in a bad place, a, a place where you're doubting God and, and life and goodness, when it seems as though hope was only a mirage, then what do you do? Do you try to conjure it up inside of yourself? Do you dig down deep and mine it from within? Can you cobble it together from the bits and pieces of the things you find in your soul? Can you manufacture it? No, when the situation seems hopeless, you turn to the God of hope. You turn to Jesus Christ. When the bucket is empty, you don't look to the bucket for water. You go to the well. And when we go, we find hope again. And the things around us may not have changed at all. We're hopeful again. Things are different because of hope. So that raises an interesting question, doesn't it? At least I, I think it does. If hope is so essential for life, and, and real hope comes only from God as a result of a relationship with him, then where does that other kind of hope come from? Should I let you answer that question for yourself? I, I mean, if you were to offer an answer, what would you say? I mean, would you think that that other kind of hope is merely a mistake, a kind of error offered by well-intentioned but misguided people? Or, or would you realize that there was something else behind it, something more sinister, more hidden, more dangerous. If you were schooled in Christian thought, you would almost immediately think of the three great enemies of the Christian faith. You would say, in fact, that false hope, counterfeit hope, misleading hope, hope that cannot help but always disappoints, hope that is in truth no hope at all, must come from the evil one and is marketed to us by the world, and our greedy, sinful nature grasps as it only too gladly. Now, it looks so good, <laughs> but it's so poisonous to our souls. Don't you think that explains why the hopes in this world must so often be disappointed? I mean, can we see that it's a mercy and a grace that those things cannot satisfy, not truly, not in the long run? Do we understand how that's one of God's uh, mechanisms, as painful as it might be? Can we see how that, that drives us to the one place where there is real hope and real life? It drives us to God, the source of true hope. Now, the fact that God supplies our hope it doesn't mean that we don't have any responsibilities for it. I mean, we do. I mean, we have to exercise the hope that's in us. Romans 4, Paul says, Against all hope, Abraham believed, and so became the father of many nations. Uh, as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. By hope, Abraham overcame his nagging doubts. He, he exercised the hope that was in him. And by it, he became the father of many nations. When, when we face different trials, we, we can choose where to place our hope. 
First Peter tells us, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And we're to hold on to that hope we have. We're to guard it, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, that we have to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. The hope God has placed in us is something to be used in our life. Hope doesn't overwhelm us, except sometimes with joy. It doesn't just take control of us so that we don't have to play a part. But we participate in hope that God gives us. So if God tells you to do something hard, something you dread, something that you would never on your own have chosen, uh, whatever that might be, you know that he says it, though. You'll have hope. You'll have hope that all things will turn out well. But hope doesn't make you take the step. You still take those steps yourself. But when you do as hard as it would be, you can be sure of this, you're never alone. Hope is a family trait. It's imprinted on our heart. It's part of our character. It's who we are. We don't manufacture it. It's our birthright, and it flows from God freely to all who belong to him. But we must also act on the hope we have that God supplies us. So where does our hope come from? Our hope comes from God. Hope is also a power within us. Or you can say hope bears fruit in our lives, an abundance of fruit, a heaping harvest of good. I want you to listen to some of... uh, of uh, what hope does in us and through us is some supporting scriptures are flashed up on the screen. I mean, hope makes us bold, very bold. It's an anchor for our soul. It's firm and secure. Because of hope, we purify ourselves. It makes us want to be like Jesus. It enables us to endure when the bad times come. It gives us comfort in the face of death, for we do have hope. We have hope in eternal life. All of that and more comes from the hope that is in us. Now, years ago, on our farm, my dad had a 55-gallon drum standing in the backyard down near the barn, and uh, it wasn't much to look at. It was just a barrel. It was rusty and old. And it had irregular-shaped holes punched in it uh, in no specific pattern all around the sides, uh, near the bottom and almost up to the very top. And you would have have never taken a second look at that thing, actually, and you might wonder why it was there if you did, unless you filled it with paper and other combustibles and you waited until night to fall and then you set a match to it. And pretty soon, if you did that, the light from the fire inside that barrel would be pouring out of those holes and the flames would be leaping out the top. And if there were other people there with you, you'd sit close enough in the wintertime to feel the heat and in the summertime you'd be far enough away so you wouldn't feel it. But it wasn't the heat. That's not what captivated you. It was light from the fire. That's what you watched. And if you were by yourself, maybe you'd stand right next to the barrel and feed it from time to time. Maybe you'd poke at it with a stick or stir it up to get it burning even brighter. I I don't know if it's just in my imagination or whether it actually did sometimes get hot enough where the drum itself seemed to glow. But that old, ugly 
barrel came a beautiful thing. <laughs> We're like that 55-gallon drum poked full of hopes. But the hope that God pours in us as we cooperate with him, it shines out of us like the fire in that barrel, giving light to the people that are around us. It's not the barrel, it's the fire inside. It's not in us. It's hope working its power in us and through us, bearing its fruit through us, bringing a, 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 a kind of real and genuine and beautiful light to our dark world. Again, it just doesn't happen. We have to embrace it. Without hope, we're just empty. And we're poked full of holes. The fire won't shine if we don't do our part. The drum might be full of tinder and all those combustible matters that are needed. But we hold the match. And we cooperate with God through the hope that's in our life. And that hope changes us. And it changes the world that we live in. Now, hope's a family trait. It's imprinted on our heart. It's part of our character. We don't manufacture it. It's a birthright and it flows from God. Hope is a power within us that affects everything that we do. It's like a light that shines in a dark and dying world. What's hope like? It's it's the power of God in our lives. And finally, finally, it would be helpful to ask, what kinds of things do we hope for? What kinds of things do you guys hope for? Uh, we, as Christians, hope for eternal life. I mean, that's certainly a central truth of our faith, as Paul writes in Titus, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. We already mentioned uh, in passing the hope we have that one day we'll be reunited with our loved ones. We, we don't grieve like other people grieve. Be, People who don't have any hope, do we? I mean, we do have hope. We also know that though we're justified, we've been saved, there's still sin in us. And so we look forward to that day when sin no longer has any hold on us, as Paul says in Galatians 5. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. We long for that day when we'll be made like Christ. And John tells us in that first letter, but we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And we've noted how that desire drives our behavior in the very next verse. All who have this hope in him purify themselves. All of those things, and others like them, are promises of God, and they are rock solid. And we can be confident that there are ours. I mean, we can hope in them and expect that God will make them ours. We may struggle, doubts may assail us, fears at times might overwhelm us, but then hope shows up and we're strengthened and confidence in our hope when it grows and our heart soars. There are many things we just know belong to us because God has told us that. But like anyone else, there are things that we desire. (laughs) And like others, we might be a little careless in our choice of words and say even that we hoped for those things. And some of them we might feel strongly about. We might even think they're essential for a happy life. Good stuff, which God has used to bless others. 
And, and yet, if we were honest with ourselves, which is so often so hard to do, we would acknowledge that if we thought about it, if we were honest, we don't really know if those things are for us. We know they are for others, but we don't know if they're for us or not. We want them to be. And, and in my experience, usually they are. <laughs> usually. Sometimes they're not. But usually they're a part of your future. It's God's timing. It's not yours. He, he, it has to be in his timing. You, you have to understand that to get you ready for his gift. And some of, some of you, I know some of you need to hear this because you're confused about the matter. None of God's gifts are purchased. None of them. You don't work for them. You don't earn them. Most of the things we really desire in life can only be given by God, and he makes you fit for them at first. Of course, (laughs) unless the things you want are sinful, in which case you already have your answer. And yet, God did make us. So it's not so surprising that most often he gives you the desire of your heart. I want to tell you a kind of personal um, story about my journey. So when I was a young man, um, uh, as long as I can remember, I I wanted to be married. (laughs) I I wanted a, a wife, someone who would love me and who I could love, that we grow old together. I didn't even know what those words really meant, but that was what was in my imagination. And, and I, I couldn't find anyone who would put up with me. <laughs> and 34 years old before I met uh, the woman of my dreams, right? And we got married. And in all that time, I kept thinking, I just got to be better I've just got to live better so God can give that person to me. And at some point in my life, I realized that um, that's not the way it works. You can't buy those things from God. They're a gift that he gives you. And so you accept it that way. And when that truth came home to my heart, that's when this woman walked into the church that I went to, my home church, and she smiled. And they didn't have to turn the lights on for a year and a day after that smile. God gives you desires of your heart. And that tension that we feel at those times reveals a deeper truth about all of our hopes. You see, for the believer, the desire for God's will in our lives, our our willingness to yield to him, uh, to to give up ourselves for him and his sake, well, that shapes our heart and changes our minds and shifts our direction. It, It makes us more and more his children. So that one desire affects all of our other desires. That's the way it should be. Some of what we hope for, we know is ours because God has promised it. And other things we desire, we trust God to do what's right. 
We put our hope in him, in his will, in his love, his grace, his mercy. We put our hope in him. That's what we hope for. It's a family trait. It comes from God. A birthright. It flows from him. It's a power within us affecting everything that we do and shining out of us. And more than anything else, what we hope for is we hope for God himself. How important is it? Romans tells us that we willingly suffer just so that we can be perfected and so that hope can abound in our lives. It's so important that we would suffer for it. I'm going to close with one of my all-time favorite verses from 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3. You won't find that in your list up there people in the cave <laughs> but it says this i'm going to read it to you um this way to start with and uh, this is what it says and we that's all of us here who know jesus christ and we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory and i know that sounds beautiful right i mean you and i are being transformed we've been made more like jesus christ uh, but i left out a part <laughs> I left out a part, and that part tells us how we're being changed. And it's by spending time with him. So I'm going to read it again, and this time I want to read it the way it was written. It says, And we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. You see, we can only reflect his glory if we're in his presence. But if we spend time with him, well, the rest of the passage tells us that we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory that comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And you walk closely with him. He's the one who meets our needs. and He's the one that gives us the desires of our heart. In him is all of our hope. It's a family trait. It comes from God. It's power in us. And our hope, behind everything else we hope for, our hope is for God. He made us for that relationship with him. Awful lot, I think, today, material. I, I don't know. But I, but I, I, I can't begin to tell you how important that concept of hope is. When, when, when you realize it's a family trait, that ought to give you some sense of it. When you realize it's put right there with faith, that ought to give you some sense of how important hope is. And our God is the God of all hope. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. and Thank you that you are the God of hope. And uh, Lord, um, I know for us in this nation, there's so many, so many good things we enjoy, so much good that uh, happens around us, Lord. Uh, and maybe, maybe, Lord, we, we don't have quite the appreciation that people in other places do. But your word is powerful. 
and your truth matters. So help us to embrace that truth. And we'll give you the credit, we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.